This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. indicators who knows where this is going to end up to understand the economy you have to understand human nature this podcast is powered by Acast <laughs> how are you doing there it's I'm laughing at John he's trying to tell me where to go with the mic where not to go don't move around how can i not move around I'm trying no to no, no don't don't go crazy man don't go crazy sometimes you get a little overexcited i get look i'm into this economic stuff i get enthusiastic how are you ed i'm good i'm very good good yeah. good 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 how are you doing there welcome to the podcast funny old week funny old week had a midlife crisis this week man <laughs> Another one? Yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah, God, yeah. how many can you have? Do you know what I did? I went out and bought a Vespa. <gasps> I did you? I swear to Jace. Lambretta. Oh, really? Original Lambretta design. New UK company bought the design called Royal Alloy. Right. Red and white. It's lovely. the business. I hope you have lots of mirrors and the rabbit's tail the rabbit's of the tail. <laughs> <laughs> but I, was, I just thought, okay, that's it. Yeah. Midlife crisis. I could have, you know, taken up a lead guitar, you know, la, 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 la. I said, no, get a Vespa. No, no, that was a good one. Yeah. yeah. So Forget about the Ferrari. But when are you getting it? You haven't got it yet. Friday. Oh, really? Friday. Got to go in and collect in. Oh, superb. The center of town. Yeah. I am going to be just in heaven. Because you know I had one, obviously. Remember when we were in London? Yeah, you had one in London. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then it got robbed. That's the problem with Vespas. They always get robbed. Well, you know Your Vespa's always robbed, isn't but it? But I had uh, three. Between myself and the missus, we had three and they all got robbed and or trashed. Yeah, like, what's with the trashing? I don't know. Some guy kiss them a dig. Yeah, they just, you know, they race it around a bit and then they just dump it in a in a hedge somewhere. Yeah. Or set them on fire. That's the other thing they love doing. Yeah, well, listen, if anybody touches this Vespa, <laughs> I've got, I'm I know people. I know people. We know where you live. Anyway, so that's my, that was my week. That was my midlife crisis. How was your midlife crisis? Uh, this week was, was the usual ding dong, as my mother would say, except for the most exciting thing this week. In fact, do you know what? Have a listen to it. 
Now that, my friend, is Mars. That is the sound of Mars. I mean, they should have used the pop filter on the uh, on the mic and all. In fairness, but isn't that amazing? I just I, 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 I mean, that's the sound of Mars. That is perseverance that landed on Mars this week, and it got out the old wheels and started sending back beautiful pictures of Mars. Like it's really incredible when you're looking at the horizon of another planet and the sound of another. And planet. then they stick up the mic, and that. For me, so I that's was, wind. Uh, yeah, and Martian I, wind. Martian wind, and I was just blown away by that. Excuse I, the pun. I can see it. I can see. You should see his face now. Here, you know. I was blown away. <laughs> I would have used a different mic, though. I, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have seen that face over many decades. Here's a special news bulletin. <clears throat> we interrupt this podcast to bring you a news update. It appears that the audio we just played of the wind of Mars, which sounded fantastic, is not in fact from Perseverance that landed on Mars this week. I'm devastated, but I have been reliably informed by a number of our Twitter followers that this indeed was fake. But apparently there will be some audio and pictures from Perseverance in the next few weeks, so I'm really looking forward to that and I will be playing it on this podcast. So that's that. Apologies again. Now, back to the show. Anyway, what do we want to talk about? Well, I tell you what. What's interesting you in the world of economics and finance? Well, it's it's all fascinating. Where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing this week that, and this seemed to come out of the blue, or maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed to come out of the blue. Ulster Bank pulling out of Yeah, Ireland. it's a really big well, story. What's the this story is a really, there? really big story. And we'll deal with it. So this week, I think we're going to talk about Ulster Bank. Yeah. And then I want to talk about housing again. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. amount of houses we have to build in this country just to keep up with demand and how they're all linked together. Because all these stories are linked together. Yeah. So the Ulster Bank, the first thing is, so why did they pull out? Ireland is very, very difficult. It's a very, very difficult place to make money in banking, right? This is a very... We have really? not got... No, I mean, I'll just if you're a banker, right? Right. We have not got over the legacy of 2008. And I always say 2008, the banking crisis in Ireland started in 2000, not 2008. 2008 was just the crisis. Right. But the crisis only evidenced the stupid decisions which were taken in the boom, right? right? So the crisis is the end point. But the start point is when Irish bankers, so-called bankers, started to lend and lend and lend and lend. Mm. And the problem with banks, if you keep lending, you'll go bust. But well, the problem yeah. is that banks don't see this because their balance sheet plays tricks on them. So the more the bank lends, the more profits they book because obviously if you're lending, you're getting revenue in. And the executives of the banks think that they're sitting on gold mines when they're actually sitting on a bag of shite. Right? Right. Okay. okay. And that's, of course, what I was shouting and roaring about in the, in the boom, right? So yeah. I'll tell you what happened, right? Yeah. Because of the banking crisis here, because it was so unbelievably extensive, right? Mm. Every single bank in Ireland was bust, every single one, right? The legacy of that is that Irish banks now have to set aside more money right. for the rainy day. They have a piggy bank, right? Oh, yeah, These okay. are the buffers, right? Yeah, it's called yeah. the tier one capital. Mm -hmm. Then banks in other countries. Why? Because our experience has been much more traumatic. So our regulator, the central bank, having done nothing in the boom, right. is now over-regulating in the bust. Okay. So what it says is that if you want to 
do business in Ireland as a bank, you need to keep more money in reserve, this capital buffer, yeah. than an equivalent Spanish bank, Belgian bank, or right. Dutch bank. But the, that's a good thing, though, right? That's a good thing, but it means that the banks, therefore, have to keep more cash on deposit. It means, therefore, if they want to try and make profit, according to them, they have to charge more interest because such amount of their capital is kept idle that they can't right. use, right? So that's the first thing. So the idea, and eventually the guys in NatWest, the British bank that owned Ulster Bank, said, under these conditions, we cannot make money, right? Right. Or more importantly, or under an, these conditions, we can't make enough money, Enough right? money, yeah, okay? I was going to say, and, yeah, yeah. And why don't we take our capital out of Ireland and deploy it in the UK or elsewhere where we can use more of it. So imagine that the banks have a sort of a piggy bank yeah. that they have to put reserves in there for the rainy day. Now, why we do that is because Irish banks are badly managed. Right, you've said is, this before. This is yeah. an endemically boom-bust economy because of the banking system. Right. And it's because the banking system is joined at the hip to the housing market and is because the housing market serves the interests of landowners. It's, a, it's all the one big picture. Well, what, what the central bank's role in this, they're doing this to try and address the crap banking. Well, if you want my opinion on it, what happened is it's like everything, you know. It's a bit like if you go out on the lash mm -hmm. on a Friday night and you get up on Saturday and you say, I'm never going to drink again. Right? Yeah. Now, it would be much easier. You know that creature, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be much easier to moderate well, your drinking. To. You moderate your drinking on Friday, right? What has happened is the Irish regulators and central banks, because they missed everything mm. in the boom, mm. because they didn't regulate at all, Yeah. they're now over-regulating. And you see this quite a lot in people's behaviour, that sometimes when you decide to be virtuous, it's like the, somebody who gives up something. And then they become yeah. evangelical about giving up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's something similar. But I'll explain to you how banks work, okay? Because yeah, it's do. important because there is a big deal. Give me a crash course. There's gonna, yeah, I'll give you it's a crash course. Corporate finance. Corporate 101, finance. 101. <laughs> right. And also, bear in mind the image of the West Lower Stand. You know the West Stand and the Aviva? Yeah. You know the lower part yeah. of that, which is a sheepskin tote <laughs> central, right? Collars up. Collars up, right? Just so you know, for those who are not listening from Ireland, the Viva Stadium is a big football and rugby stadium, just so you know. The stadium used to be called Lansdowne Road. Exactly. It used to be called Lansdowne Road, but it's now called the Aviva Stadium. And of course, Aviva is a British insurance company. They are the guys who run the banking community, right? They're right. the people who've never paid for a ticket at an international ever, <laughs> right? Because they always go in corporate finance. So imagine the faces, right? Yeah. Those gentlemen want to divvy up Ulster Bank into AIB and Bank of Ireland, take all the good bits, right, and keep it in-house, right? Right. Whereas there might be an option also for an outside bank to come in and take it and inject a bit of competition. Mm. But the West Lower and the Aviva, they don't want competition. What they want is the rent. When we talk the rentier economy? Yes, so yeah. This is, comes back to the rentier economy. So at the moment, I would say Pascal Donoghue's door it being bashed down. Yeah, it's coming off the hinges. It's coming off the hinges by fellas in Prada, <laughs> trying to tell him, just give it to AIB or Bank of Ireland, okay? And don't be worried about this. Or PTSB. Right. Right? Just keep it in the house. So sell it to us. Right. Okay? And, 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 okay, tell me, first of all, what's wrong with that? Or what could go wrong well, with that? Well, what could go wrong with that is that if you get a duopoly in the banking system, yeah. so you have no competition, so you have very, very little pressure 
for the banks to do anything other than to charge their way out of their problems. Mm. So basically, the Irish banks chat to each other and they say, look, you do this, we'll do this. You know, And Central Bank has no say on this at The all. Central Bank has a say, but Central Bank's got two main jobs here. One is the stability of the system to yeah. ensure the stability. And the other is, well, and it would be quite nice for the consumer to do quite okay. Right? Right, okay. But it's the stability of the system is the key thing, right? And so anything that makes the system unstable for them, they will go against. Right. But the problem is, in order to change the system, you have to have a little bit of instability. You have to have something coming into the outside. Yeah. Yeah. But let's just explain what's going on. Why Irish banking is different to Spanish banking or Italian banking. Okay. The reason I say Spanish is there could be a Spanish bank in the mix in the future. Okay, Okay. Right. Uh, we'll talk about that in a sec, right? But it's a thing called the tier one ratio. So remember you said to me, is there any, remember a couple mm-hmm. of months ago, you said, is there any impediment to a bank creating money? And I said, no, because yeah. they just keep, they can just keep creating loans. However, there is an impediment. They have to keep a certain amount of what they're called risk-weighted assets. They have to keep a certain amount of that in cash. So it's usually about 14 euros for every 100 euros lent out. They okay. have to keep in cash, right? That's called a tier one capital. Okay. But it's those 100 euros they lent out is different from every different bank. So you've you've lent out 100 euros, mm-hmm. but the risk associated with those 100 euros is different for every different bank. So I'll give you an example. If I lend you 100 euros and you give me your house as collateral, the risk weight of that deal is very low for me because if you default, I can just take your house. Yeah. That's on a mortgage. Yeah. Imagine I lend you that 100 quid on your credit card. Yeah. And you say, listen, Macker, I'm actually going to Indonesia tomorrow and I'll see you, I'll see you in about a year's time. Yeah. And you know what? See you later, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then I'm left with nothing as the banker, as the lender. Yeah. So the risk weighted associated with different types of lending is very, very different. So in the aggregate, Irish banks and all banks have to keep 14 euros for every 100. Mm. But then it depends on what are you lending? What is that 100 lending? And in the case of Ireland, the risk-weighted assets are much riskier. Why? People say because we didn't foreclose. So, for example, do you know what happened when, when the crash happened? Yeah. In the United States, for example, or in the UK or anywhere else, if you default on your house, you get kicked out. Sure, yeah. Right? But that doesn't happen in Ireland. So the banks, because our, 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 the Irish court said, well, hold on a second, we have a social obligation here, yeah. right? Which is the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. But the cost of that is the risk associated with the lending goes up because the bank can't get your mortgage gotcha. if you default. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, There's a yeah. whole lot of things in the, in, in the mix. But in general, Ireland should be a really good bet for banking. Why? Because we have a very, very young population, right? Mm-hmm. And we have a much faster growing population. But the dilemma for banking here is it's a boom-bust economy, right? So there's always this risk. And why is it a boom-bust? Because of what we're going to talk about in another few minutes, the price of housing. Right. right? If Irish house prices were at 200 grand, i.e. three or four times average income, five times average income, there'd be no risk associated with it. But because Irish house prices are at 500 grand, there's always a risk that people are going to default. Yeah. Because you lose your job, you just lose your house. So... That's the first thing. So the tier one ratio in Ireland is more onerous on the banks here because of a number of things, one of which is the way we deal with repossessions, but the other one is the legacy of 
the boom itself, right. like the bust okay. itself. There's so many bad loans, and there's so there's so much stuff still in the banking system, mm. right? And of course, the Irish banks didn't use the last ten years to get rid of these stuff, right? And the way you could have got rid of, of bad loans is you could sell them on to these vulture funds, right? So the Irish I we banks, did a lot of that stuff. They, they probably didn't do this is what they're, they're they probably yeah. didn't do enough of that to get rid of all these things, right? Right. And of course, it's because people don't want to. People are saying, hold on a second. I don't want my apartment owned by, by a, a vulture. vulture. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So all these things are yeah. in the mix, right? So, so that was a, another good thing. I think, right. Yeah. So you've got these things. You've got the social need to look after the society coherently. Mm-hmm. And you have the fact that Irish bankers were incredibly, incredibly amateur in the boom, right? Wow. And then... In the bust, they have been terrified of doing anything. And of course, the central bank, which was incredibly amateurish, let's divide the world into 20 years. Yeah. 2000 to 2010, 2010 to, to now, right? Yeah. Those two, the first 10 years, it was a free-for-all. Destroyed the country, yeah. right? And created this crazy, crazy bust, right? Second 10 years is the legacy of that. And we end up in a situation where the owners of NatWest say, you know what? It's not worth our while. Right. Being there, okay. right? So then the question is, who buys Ulster Bank? Now, Ulster Bank is a big bank. It's 20 billion euros of assets and 20 billion euros of deposits. So it's a big, big bank. Right. How does that compare to just it's, well, it's smaller. Than, oh, it's, smaller it's smaller than AIB and Bank of Ireland, but it's still a substantially big yeah. bank. Yeah. And now you've got to look at, you know, who basically is going to buy this, right? Yeah. So now you're in the Aviva... And Mick is talking to Tony, right? He's right. talking to Richie and Ross. Right, and Tarquin. Well, Tarquin is the English uh, advisor from Casanova Brothers. Oh, he's over on a jolly He's then, over on it? a jolly. He's, he, he wants to sing Sweet Low, Sweet Jerry, yeah. but he's getting paid a fortune to do what we're doing now for free, right. to explain to you what's actually going on. It's a public service, right? <laughs> so Mick... And of course, they all like Tarquin. There's not a few points there, Tarquin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're up there at halftime. <laughs> Tarquin is now, and Tarquin, I can tell you, is in one of those, you know, those coats that they wear with the velvet collars. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah right? Crombie, the Crombie style. Crombie, right. So yeah. Tarquin's in the Crombie up at the bar when Mick and Tony and Joe are dividing up Ireland amongst themselves <laughs> in the West Lower, right? That's how it works. And they're, what they're saying to each other is exactly this. They're saying, well, so let's say, there's 20 billion in the bank. Yeah. So that's 20 billion of assets, right? So let's say 4 billion of that is what's called the corporate book. So that's Ulster lending to Irish corporates. So Ulster lending to a big Irish corporate, right? right? Okay. So that's simple, easy-peasy business. They don't yeah. default. That's it, right? That's the first thing. So Joe's saying, oh, I wouldn't mind getting my hands on that. It <laughs> makes him a whole lot of second. I'll trade you that, right? All that's while Pascal is sitting at home. <laughs> Without a ticket for Without the Without a ticket for the game. <laughs> Then on the tracker mortgages, remember the trackers? There's about yeah. 8 billion of those. Nobody wants them because they don't make money for banks. Right. Because there's not enough margin on them. Okay. Then there's about 6 billion of new mortgages, post-2008 mortgages. And in that 6 billion is 2008 mortgages and SME lending. Okay. And somebody wants that. And then there's about 2 billion of non-performing loans, which are loans that have been defaulted on. 2 billion? In Ulster banks. Right. right? You said... 
It seems a lot. It is a lot. Right, okay. Okay, so that's what you're buying. That's what Ulster Bank is. is. Sometimes when, when all these figures are flying around, it's just numbers and you don't quite... Appreciate two billion of, is two thousand million. Yes, exactly. It is a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. So Tarquin is now at the bar. Right, right. Good man. Ross Byrne is about to put something over the bar. Anyway, so Tarquin's at the bar. Mick, Tony, and Joe from the Irish bankers are are divvying up this, right? Yeah. And of course, everyone wants the corporate loans because they're good. They're really yeah. easy. Nobody wants the trackers. Yeah. Right. Give that to PTSB, you know, permanent TSB, right? Barry, you have that. It's Barry, it's Barry from permanent TSB. Barry, come on in, you have that, right? And that's how Ireland works. Right. No, but seriously, how does it work? That is how it works. So the different, so basically all those guys are pressurizing Pascal to say, look, let's keep it in amongst the lads. Right. And then of course the deposits, right? Just 20 billion. You know, they can, if, it, if, it's, if it's Irish permanent, well, they, they'll take a few bits. So basically what they want to do is they want to give the trackers to Irish permanent. So that's six odd billion of yeah. trackers. Okay. And what they'll say to Irish permanent is you can also have six billion of the deposits right. of the bank, right? Okay. So you as an That's Ulster, the sweetener. That's the sweetener. Yeah. Right. So you as an Ulster Bank punter will end up having an Irish permanent account, right? Right. But the deal has been done in the West Lower with Mick and Tony and Joe, right? But c- c- can I ask you, like... Where does Pascal come into this? Like, well, what? It's not up to him. These are well, as private the, companies. No, but as the, no, and ah, you see, you asked a very good question. See, Pascal is in a difficult position because he owns AIB, right? And he yeah. owns PTSB or whatever is post-traumatic stress disorder, <laughs> whatever it's called, PTSB, right? Okay, because the state owns those, so the state obviously wants to get paid back if it ever wants to sell these. Yeah. So again, the next iteration is. It's not really private companies. It's all the lads talking to the lads, talking to the lads. Okay, that's why Pascal's important. Right, okay. Because he's okay. actually the major shareholder. And it's not him, it's us. We own the bloody thing. Yeah. This is a public service. Explain So we to, should be on the lower stand. We should be. Prawn never, sandwiches. Prawn sandwiches. Getting Tarquin in his property <laughs> to buy a cargo. Right? But we're not. We're locked out in Dunleary. Okay. Yeah. So that's the deal that the Irish banks want to do. Right? Right. So nobody gets hurt. Except the consumer. Why? Because at the end of the day, there's only two banks. There'll only be AIB and Bank of Ireland yeah. and, the, and the PTSB. Yeah. And what do they do? Rather than bring down interest rates, bring down charges, what they say is, look, Tarquin's gone back to England, the yeah. advisor. We have the gig here. Why not get another few pints? <laughs> I put up the price. Did Tarquin leave his card behind the bar? Tarquin's card's behind the bar, but Tarquin's card <laughs> is an expense account. And who pays it? The Department of Finance. Because they own the bank in the first place, which means you and me. Right. So it's all the lads <laughs> have done this, right? There's another thing. There's two other banks maybe in the game. Mm. There's KBC, which is a Belgian bank. Yeah. Which is here. And there's a new Spanish bank called Bank Inter. Have you seen Avantcard? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So those guys, they're a Spanish bank. And Bank Inter is a big Spanish bank. Oh, okay. And they've come in here and nobody's talking much. That's why I said we talk about the Spaniards. Yeah. And they might be interested in getting involved, right? And of course, they've so a much mean, bigger then? balance sheet. They've a much bigger balance sheet in Spain that could pay for all this. Right. So, but the Irish lads, Mick, Tony, and Joe. Yeah. And Barry now, who's in on the on the last deal. <laughs> they don't want Julio and Cesar coming in, right? right? Or Pablito. They don't want him, right? Nor do they want Henny van der Merwe from the, the Flams Bank in, in the KBC. 
But KBC have an interesting, because KBC have a very strange book. KBC have 10 billion of assets in Ireland, but only 5 billion of deposits. So the 5 billion, the difference between their assets and the deposits is paid for by the Belgian parent bank injecting money in every year. Oh, So okay. it, would, oh. it would make a big deal for them to buy, for example, Ulster with its 20 billion of deposits. Right. So they, they all of a sudden become big player. They are, but they also become liquid internally yes. and all yeah. their money is raised in Ireland. So the Belgian parent will say, well, that's quite cool. Yeah. Because basically it means that the Irish thing can look after itself. Yeah. But the Irish lads don't want that because that means Belgians will be in there. Yeah. They might do things like be competitive. Oh, really? yeah. We don't, do, we don't want we that. Don't want, we don't want that at all. And of course, the Spaniards are dipping their toe in the mortgage market now and they could be in. Right. So there's all sorts of things can, at play, right? So can I just ask you, like, okay, you've, you've mentioned KBC come from, from Belgium, but why aren't there more European banks operating in Ireland? Because in order to do business here, you have to set aside more capital. Now, that's crazy because I can understand Irish banks with the legacy of having made a royal mess yeah. and having this non-performing loans, et cetera. Yeah. This is why there is an opportunity for a whole new bank here. Comes in and has a big balance sheet in, let's say, France yeah. or Germany yeah. or Sweden or wherever. Puts a little bit of it to work here because they say, Do you know what? Young population, fast growing economy. All we need is a couple of good custodians, mature people at the top. And we could actually undercut these large Irish dinosaurs. Yeah. yeah. Offer people low rates. Works fine. But... Here's the but. Pascal owns AIB. It is not in the state's interest to have a highly competitive banking system that makes AIB look even weaker than it is. Right. Think about it. The state wants to sell AIB and it will never sell AIB if some Swedish outfit comes in here, gives us a good deal and undermines it, which is why the likes of AIB are buying stockbrokers, like good body stockbrokers, yeah. and they're getting involved here and all this sort of thing. Because what it does, it deflects from their underlying weakness. Because what they can do then, they can do mergers right. with various banks. And what will happen then, the Irish banks will merge, let's say, with Ulster Bank. Mm -hmm. They will already have saved on the 2,000 people who are going to lose their jobs. Yeah. They put them together. They get what they call economies of scale. But what you notice in all situations where businesses are going bad is they tend to try to buy themselves out of trouble. Okay. Right. If, as a general rule, the best way for a bad business to look good is to consolidate. Right. So what they do is they say, Tarquin. Yeah. They say, Tarquin, uh, come back here when you're back to the bar. Uh, will you go to London and will you raise uh, 10 billion for me? Tarquin says, oh, okay, yeah, that'll be fine because Tarquin's going to get paid. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, he's not off there. He's more posh. <laughs> yes, of course he is. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Home, home counties. Yeah, exactly. He's Tarquin. <laughs> and he's red pants. And he's red pants. Yes, he's red pants. Exactly. So you raise 10 billion off Tarquin. Mm. Tarquin gets paid 2%. 2% of 10 billion. Nice. That's a lot of bread yeah. for Tarquin, right? Then Tarquin gives the money to Mick. Mick uses that money to buy Ulster Bank. Yeah. So Mick then has a debt to Tarquin that he can service. He buys Ulster Bank. He consolidates the balance sheet. Mick looks like a genius. But all he's done is borrowed money. Right. That's how the whole thing works. I know it sounds really weird, but that's the dirty little secret. The finance. Okay. And what we're seeing here is it's all coming into play. Right. And what you'll be amazing now over the next couple of days, 
watch the newspapers, watch RTE. There'll be spokespeople on, there'll be experts on, they'll all be paid. It's all, it's all spin, spin, spin. It's all spin, spin, spin. So it's a massive big spin. But I come back to the fact that the Irish banking system is weak because we have an endemically boom-bust economy. Why do we have an endemically boom-bust economy? Because the banks are soldered at the hip to the land lobby, and the land lobby has an interest in making sure that not enough land is released, so the price of land goes up, and we get ourselves into this crazy credit cycle again and again and again, and this is at the root of our problem. And if you fix land, you fix everything else. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Okay, Mark, you're talking there, that was very good actually, you're talking there about banking and housing being joined at the hip. Yes, and and that creating a boom-bust economy, which we're paying for in having to have higher tier capital requirements and therefore having a banking system that's totally dysfunctional. Okay, so that's banking. Talk to me about housing then and where we go from here. Well, I think on the issue of housing, it's like everything, you know, probably the easiest thing to do in economics, given that you know what demography is going to be, mm. right? Because when babies are born, they have a good chance of living here. Yeah. So you know 25 years out what your housing demand is going to be. Think about it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a simple thing to do, right? Yeah. So basically you say, how many babies are born every year? Let's project out 25 years. There's a very, very good chance that those kids want to leave home. Mm. So you know. So the easiest thing in economics is to forecast housing demand if you want to do that. It's really yeah. easy, right? How then in a society like Ireland can we have housing booms and busts if it's so easy to forecast, Yeah, right? Because nobody wants to forecast. And the reason they don't want to forecast is the state has absolved itself of this responsibility. Because, I, so, I mean, because we... We are, okay, Ireland is... That's a really basic responsibility. That isn't it? But yeah. look, okay, well, so Ireland is so. the Ireland is still 
one of the least densely populated countries in Europe, mm -hmm. and we have the highest housing costs and land prices. Yeah. So that makes no sense in economics. Yeah. Right? Because if you've a lease, if you've a, if you've low population density, you should have low land prices. Sure. Unless somebody is interfering. Yeah. Back to our friends. Yeah. Mick, Joe, Tarkin, Donald. So housing demand is a function of five things. It's your population, then your migration. Yeah. Then your family size structure. Mm-hmm. Then your divorces, because that creates a demand. Yeah. And then what you would call obsolescence, how much of your housing stock needs to be rebuilt because it's very old. Yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. All these things you can figure out. Yeah. And then you get yourself a figure. Now, at the moment, the Irish state says we need to build 25,000 houses a year. Homes, let's say. Use. Right. Okay. My calculations would say we need to double that. That it's actually oh, right. 50% okay. shy of what we need. Yeah. So we can we can go through those figures. Yeah, yeah, go on, tell me. Okay, so we'll, let's break it down. Look, yeah. look at look at the facts in Ireland, right? We have a population of 4.9 million. So call, yeah. it, call it 5 million. Yeah. And we have a natural increase in the population. This is last year of 27,100, which is babies born minus the amount of people who die. Right. And we had net migration of 28,000 last year. Okay. So right. we had more migrants than we had natural population growth oh. last year, which is something which get the Irish Freedom Party up in a hissy fit, okay? Yeah. The average household size in Ireland is 2.6. So that means in the average unit, whether it's an apartment or a house, there's 2.6 people living. Right. And the European average is 2.3. This means something, okay? Right. And we built about 20,000 houses last year. So that's the facts, okay? We also got 4,000 divorces last year. And the reason divorces are important is because you need two houses where, where you had one. Yeah. Okay. Jeez, that's probably going to shoot up because of COVID. <laughs> I know. A lockdown. Exactly. So we can assume 10,000 divorces, <laughs> doubling the divorce, right? Okay. So then you've got to, then you can say, okay, well, look, that's, that's where we start. Like, well, 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 well how, do we, how do we figure the whole thing out? So the national planning framework says it's assuming migration of 12,000 per year, 12,500. But in actual fact, last year's figure was nearly 30,000. Right. So they're underestimating Why are they migration. Doing that? I think it's politics. Right. Okay. I think they don't want to admit that there are so many migrants coming in here. That's my sense because it's very low. A Twelve and a half thousand migrant forecast. When you know last year alone nearly thirty thousand people turned up here. Right. Seems to me pretty way up the off the mark. Mm, okay. Mm. Now the estimate is for every ten thousand new immigrants. We need to build 4,000 dwellings because they have a slightly smaller average household size, about two and a half migrants per dwelling. So already we're, we're, we're talking about 30,000 means 12,000 new dwellings. So we have 18,000 for our own population, yeah. 12,000 from the migrants. And the third thing is structures of Irish families are changing because we're having less people per house. So in the old days, there might have been 10 paddies Right. The house, right? That's got down to 2.6. Let's say it goes down to 2.3, which is probably the European average. And that's a function of urbanization and all that sort of stuff, right? Okay. So we need more houses per people, okay? I'll give you, for example, if Ireland's population is 6.2 million in 2051, which I think it will be, we'd need roughly 2.5 million dwellings if the average household size was 2.5. 
But we need, we need an additional 270,000 new dwellings if the average household size went down to 2.3. This is why it's important, right? Okay. So obviously, as the amount of people in the house falls, you've got to build more houses to populate everybody else. Yeah. And this dynamic is kind of baked in because we see this happening all the time yeah. in every country. And then finally, we're talking about this obsolescence, right? Yeah. About 150,000 Irish people, Irish households, not people, households, live in buildings that are more than 100 years old. Right. And the okay. majority of those in the countryside. Yeah. At some stage, they're going to have to be rebuilt. Yeah. Because they're just not fit for purpose. They're yeah, just getting, sure. getting too old. If you'd imagine that half a percent of your total housing stock is obsolete every year, which is the is the average. And your current housing stock, there's 2 million houses out there. That means you've got to build at least 10,000 units per annum just to rebuild old houses. Yeah. You take them all together and the fact that we're playing catch up, you know, because between 2010 and 2020, we didn't build half as many houses as we needed. Mm. And that has led to the fact that loads and loads of people are living with their parents who don't want to. Right? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Okay, so you put all those things together, right? Yep. And this gives you the natural increase. We probably have to build 18,000 new units a year. With the immigrants, another 12,000 units per year. The change in divorce and separation structure of the Irish houses means we need to build another 15,000, okay? Obsolescence adds another 10,000. That gives you a figure of 55,000 units per year have to be built in this country just to stay with demand. Yeah. So yeah. the only way to get back to JM's dilemma and his generation yeah. and your kids and my kids, yeah. the only way in which we can actually equal demand, which will keep prices where they are, yeah. not decrease prices where they are, is by building twice as many houses every year as the government says we need. Jesus. So that's the truth of it. Right? Wow. Now let's go back to Tarquin. Yes. Unless the state or some new agency comes in and forces down house prices, those 55,000 houses are going to be financed by Mick, Joe, Tony, and Barry. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Mick, Joe, they're now on their fifth round of stout. Right? The hip flasks are out. Ireland are at least a half a dozen points down. The game is... As they say in rugby, running away from us. <laughs> but the reason Irish banking is attractive for the lads is that if they can capture this 55,000 houses need to be built and lend out mortgages against every single one of them, yeah. they're sitting on a gold mine. Yeah. An uncompetitive gold mine because they've got Pascal in their pocket because Pascal owns the banks. And he can't have competition in. So the West Lower is now on the lash. They've already... It's a full weekend. They have ordered. They're in Gibos. Yeah. They're in every swanky restaurant in town. When we open up again, they'll have the double jab vaccine. They'll be all fine. We're talking about next autumn internationals. Yeah. Okay, that's where we are now, right? The lads have sewn up the deal over the summer, Ulster Bank. Tarquin is at the bar. Yeah. They know we've got to build 55,000 houses. So they're going to finance every one of them. Why would they want to change? And that's how Ireland works. Now, why I have you there. 
can. Why not use the time when you're locked up to learn economics? Join me on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. Let's learn economics together. We have the economics course. Macroeconomics has never been as essential to understand. We have the Ask Mac tutorials every other week. We have Q&A. We've got the reading list. And more importantly, you become part of the community. If you have a question, if you have something that's going on, you want to ask me, join me on Patreon email in i will answer your question but more importantly it's ad free just you and me and your man across the way hey patreon.com forward slash dave mcwilliams and let's figure out the world together (laughs) 